Please join me in reading our scripture for today. We're reading from Matthew 11, 25 through 30. If you don't have a Bible, the scripture is located in the bulletin. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I want to welcome everyone uh, to worship uh, today. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to share God's word with you. Uh, We are continuing our sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. And the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5 really lists out the characteristics and the qualities of a Christian. Uh, He's saying if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if you've been renewed by the gospel and it's being applied to you uh, personally, then you will have the marks and evidence of a Christian. And he lists out these qualities. He says love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. And today we're going to look at this quality of gentleness. And we're going to see that um, in order for us to be gentle, we first have to receive the gentleness of Christ. Gentleness is not something that we can just practice and do on our own. We were made into gentleness. We become gentle. Gentleness means to be meek or kind or generous and humble. But gentleness also describes someone who's accessible and who's available. Gentleness describes someone who is not self-involved and not self-centered. It describes someone who is selfless and sacrificial. A person who is self-involved, a person who is self-centered cannot be gentle. The very nature of fruit, the very nature of gentleness is that it's enjoyed and experienced by somebody outside of yourself. Self-involved and self-centered people are looking to benefit from others, but not look to become a benefit to others. And so those of us who are self-involved, which is all of us, are very much living lives and benefit from other people rather than being a benefit to other people. And so today we're going to look at how Jesus demonstrates perfect gentleness and allows us to then become gentle. We have to recognize also that gentleness is not passivity. It's not just a sign of weakness. Just prior to Matthew 11 and Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is going around and he's rebuking and admonishing wicked and evil cities and people. And so gentleness does not just accept everyone and just leave people where they are. Gentleness comes with being firm and being stern and seeking the good and the advancement of others. And so today we're going to look at three things from Matthew 11. We're going to look at the wisdom of Jesus, we're going to look at the rest in Jesus, and we're going to look at the way to Jesus. First, the wisdom of Jesus. In Matthew 11, Jesus is 
surrounded by religious people. And we know this because he's praying. He's praying and he's praising to God the Father. And he's using language that only people with a religious background who come from Jewish tradition would understand. He's calling God his Father. Only people who came from the Jewish tradition would recognize God to be their Father. And so he's using a language to bring them into his conversation and bring him into his prayer. But at the same time, he's attacking the assumption of the religious beliefs. He's saying it's not about wisdom or knowledge where you're able to find soulful rest and peace with God. It's not your wisdom and knowledge and your obedience of the law for you to get to the presence of God. He says it's like being like little children. These things are revealed to the little children. In Genesis chapter 1 through 3, we had the story of creation. And there God created man, the first man, Adam and Eve. And there he created man to reflect his goodness and reflect his character. And in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were able to delight and find joy and satisfaction in God's presence. God's presence means that there is joy, there is peace, there is rest, and there is deep intimacy between man and God. But after the fall where Adam and Eve disobeyed and rebelled against their creator, everything changed. They were casted out of God's presence, casted out of the garden. And there they lost their peace, they lost their joy, and they lost their satisfaction. And ever since then, we've had groups of religious people doing everything that they can to get back into God's goodness and God's presence doing everything they can to earn peace and joy and satisfaction and rest that only God can provide. And so Jesus here in his prayer, in his conversation with his Father, is teaching us that our way to God is not through our wisdom, it's not through our knowledge, it's not through our credentials or our pedigree, our talents, our gifts, or our intelligence. We have to be like little children. We have to be like infants. Infants are, are needy, and they're completely dependent on their parents. They can't take care of themselves. They can't, they can't feed themselves. They can't clean themselves. They cannot survive without their caretakers. They break things. They cause trouble. Many of us know this as parents. Yet Jesus does not say, he doesn't give the comparison of the wise and the foolish. He gives the comparison of the wise and little children. Why? Because children need a caretaker. They need their parents. They need their father. Ever since the Garden of Eden, mankind has been doing everything to get back in the presence of God. To be present with God means to find joy and satisfaction, content, being approved by God, finding deep intimacy and being satisfied, having a soulful rest. But Jesus is saying here, it's not about your knowledge on the Bible. It's not about knowing theology and being obedient. It's not about looking righteous and doing the right thing. Those things will never get you into the presence of God. This was the religious mindset of the people that Jesus was talking to. This is our religious mindset. Constantly thinking that in order for us to get a sense of peace, joy, or satisfaction, to have internal soulful rest, that we got to know things, we got to do things, and we got we to be viewed as people who are righteous. 
We have to remember for the religious elite during Jesus' times, it wasn't about just obeying the moral law. They were obeying the ceremonial laws. They were obeying the law surrounding worship. And they were detailed and paying attention to every little thing they had to do for what they thought to get to God's presence. And we might not be so caught up with things like ceremonial law or, or laws surrounding worship, but we are so caught up about how we appear with other people, people in the church, our friends, our family, people we're constantly seeking to get approval from. It's all about appearances. We'd rather do the things that make us seem righteous than actually do what's actually right. We rather do the things that seem good rather than actually being good. This is the problem with religiosity. This is at the heart of why we go to people. We say, hey, we want your counsel. We want your advice. Will you help us? We confess our sins as if others are Catholic priests, as if they can absolve you and forgive you for the things that you've done wrong. But friends, that is not what Jesus is telling us and calling us to do. We're constantly concerned about our horizontal relationships, our relationships with others, expecting and hoping that it will give us some sense of peace and satisfaction that we can only get vertically from God. This leaves us anxious and worried all the time because we're so consumed with how we look, how we're viewed, our perception, our reputation. This is what's concerning to us. At the end of the day, we're not doing things for God, we're doing things for ourselves. We don't really want God, we just want the blessings that he could provide us. And so we're tirelessly working and we're constantly anxious and we're never content, we're always dissatisfied. But friends, Jesus offers us a hope in our weariness. He offers us something far greater than just the appearance of being righteous. He offers us true righteousness. He doesn't just say, hey, figure things out. Use your wisdom, use your knowledge, continue to work, continue to sacrifice, continue to labor in order to find soulful rest and be satisfied. He says, receive it. In his gentleness, he welcomes you with open arms. This leads us to our second point, the rest in Jesus. In verse 27, uh, we, see, we see oneness and we see intimacy between Jesus the Son and God the Father. Jesus says, no one knows the Father except the Son, and no one knows the Son except the Father and those he chooses to reveal to. Jesus is affirming the reality that the only way to God's presence, that access to God is through him. The presence of God is only found through Jesus. The acceptance of God is only found through Jesus. Jesus is bringing the good news of access. He's bringing the good news that we have access to God that's available to us through his gentleness. The world tells you that you got to work in order to find acceptance. you got to work and give more of yourself and continue to sacrifice in order to feel content in your life. But Jesus is welcoming us, and he's saying, come to me. I will give you rest. What is the rest that Jesus is referring to? 
Jesus isn't talking about just a physical rest. He's talking about a soulful one, a cosmic rest, a cosmic peace, true content. He's talking about an internal rest and an internal peace, no matter what your external circumstances might be. He's saying it's not about the situation. It's about the Savior. This is the rest that Jesus is referring to. He's talking about a rest and a peace that is present no matter what circumstances you might be dealing with. We've had a tremendous difficult uh, past few years. I I think 10, 20, 30 years from now, we'll look back during this time and there'll be a lot of stories that we could recount, a lot of stories that we can tell our children and our grandchildren. Uh, We'll never forget this period and many of us um, have experienced a lot during this time. Many of us have gone through extreme sufferings, whether it's losing people that you love, whether it's losing jobs, whether it's losing career aspirations. And we're extremely tired. We're worn out. And we do everything that we can to strategize and figure out what we need to do in order to be satisfied with our lives. And Jesus is saying, stop trying to figure it out. Just come to me. I will give you rest. Jesus' rest is gentle. It's available. It's accessible. It's warm and it's welcoming. It's gracious and it's generous. And in verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is welcoming those who are tired, those who are worn out, those who are dissatisfied. And this goes against everything we understand about rest and peace because in our minds, we think that we have to work and sacrifice in order to earn some sense of rest and peace in our lives. In verse 29 and 30, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To be yoked to something means that you're connected and you're tethered. Yokes were used um, to connect two oxen together to carry a plow. And that connection came really at, on their necks. And so the oxen would um, carry this plow for the use of farming and productivity. And so these oxen were used to drag heavy plows um, throughout the farmland. And these yokes were, were wrapped around their necks. It was literally placed at the center between their heads and their torsos. It was, it was at the gravitational center of their minds and of their hearts. You see, what Jesus is saying is, if we are not yoked to him, we are all yoked to something. And those things are at the center of our minds and at the center of our hearts. It consumes our thoughts and stirs up our affections. That's why we're constantly consumed by our reputations, the things that we think will give us greater potential and joy and options and freedom. We're consumed with our career paths, our wealth, our family, our children. And it's consuming our minds all the time. And if those things are going well, then we're feeling all right about ourselves. But when those things are broken, we are completely broken. And we're never at ease. Furthermore, these oxen that were yoked to heavy plows often would live short lives. And the two most common ways that these oxen would die 
would be either being so physically worn out by carrying a plow that was just too heavy, or they would be choking to death, losing their life and losing their breath. Friends, this is how we feel at times. We feel like we're, we can't breathe. We feel overwhelmed and heavy and burdened because we're carrying all these things, our families, our jobs, our reputations, our wealth, our worth and value is found in all these things. And we continue to build them up thinking that we're gonna find rest and satisfaction only to be worn out and only have life taken away from us. These things are too heavy for us to carry on our own. We look to these physical and created things to give us a sense that only the creator can give us. We've lost our purpose and our calling. We've lost any sense of intimacy between ourselves and God. And yet, Jesus is still faithful and gentle to us. You see, these things in our lives are so demanding and they require so much of us. And they continue to take from us and take more and take more. And we're left torn up and worn out. But God demands and requires even something greater. These things in our lives that we cling on to, that we continue to plow, that we yoke ourselves to, they demand a lot. They require a lot, but they only give us a taste of joy. They only give us a taste of satisfaction. God demands perfection. He requires a perfect obedience, a perfect faithfulness, perfect righteousness, perfect goodness. And yet, he doesn't give us a taste of joy and satisfaction. He gives us a fill and a full of it. The reality is, though the things in our lives are demanding, God is so much more. And he gives us a way. He gives us soulful rest. How does he do that? Lastly, we're going to look at the way to Jesus. How do we get soulful rest? What's the way to Jesus? How can we yoke ourselves to Jesus? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. How do we find rest in him? How do we yoke ourselves to him? We have to realize that we need it. We have to come from a posture where we can receive it. He's saying, stop working for things that you cannot earn. You have to be like little children. You have to be like infants. You have to be humble. You have to need it. There's only one way to find soulful rest in your life, and it's not your way. It's through the gentleness of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, stop working and sacrificing in order to find soulful rest. Stop trying to earn your way towards peace. You'll never find it because it can't be earned. It's too costly, and you can't pay the price. And he says, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because being yoked to Jesus is unlike anything else. When we're tethered and attached to the loves of our hearts, our desires, the things that we're constantly pursuing, we are left restless. We can't carry the plow and the weight of all these things. We can't carry the weight of our sin, of our suffering. We can't carry the weight of our desires and the things that we're constantly chasing after. 
He's saying, I will give you soulful rest. It's available to you. You have access to it. In Psalms, Psalm chapter 3, we have King David who, who writes this psalm. And, and in this psalm, he is being chased down by his own son. His own son, Absalom, is trying to murder him and overtake the throne. And Absalom is coming with enemies, and he's coming after David. And David sees no hope in sight. And he writes this psalm in Psalm chapter 3. And in verse 8, he writes, salvation belongs to the Lord. And what he's saying is that the soulful rest that I need, no matter what circumstance I might be in, no matter what situation I might be experiencing, I have a soulful rest because it belongs to the Lord and it's been given to me. In the middle of our passage today in verse 27, Jesus says, No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Jesus is yoked to his Father. He's intimate with God. He's personal. He has access to him. He's deeply connected in union with God. And yet, you know what he does in order for us to give us rest? He takes off that yoke and puts on the yoke of the cross. And on the cross, Jesus is experiencing the ultimate suffering, the ultimate pain, the ultimate abandonment, so that you would be resting in his goodness, his faithfulness, and his gentleness. On the cross, he wasn't experiencing the gentleness of God. He was experiencing the wrath of God. He was perfect, perfectly obedient. He met the requirements and the demands of God. And yet, what did he do? He gave that up so that you can be having the access and the peace and the rest and the content in God, your creator. In Jesus' gentleness on the cross, he's demonstrating the perfect gentleness all the way up to his death. As he's dying the death of a criminal and hanging on the cross, he looks to his murderers and he says, Father, forgive them. The very people who is putting him to death, he's asking for forgiveness for them. Look at the gentleness of Jesus. That on the cross, Jesus was experiencing the wrath of God, the ultimate punishment for sin. Even though he perfectly obeyed God's law, even though he met God's demands and his requirements, he took on the punishment of sinners for you and I so that we can have that access, so that we can have that soulful rest. On the cross, he was working, he was laboring, he was sacrificing, he was pouring himself out. He was choking, he was literally choking on his own blood so that you can find rest, so that your soul would be at peace. He lost his relationship, the son lost his relationship with the father. That oneness was completely torn apart. And he gave himself up, he gave up the intimacy so that you could be intimate with the father so that you can be one with him, so that you can gain access. All of Jesus' life, he obeyed the law perfectly and he thought for others. He was not self-involved. He was not self-centered. He was completely selfless and he demonstrated the perfect love for you. And so he says, yoke yourself to me, you will find rest. To be yoked to Jesus means that he's yoked to you. So on the cross, he's suffering. He's taking on your sin. He's taking on your brokenness. But at the same time, that means you are getting Jesus' acceptance. You're getting his approval. You're getting his righteousness. And so when God looks at you, because of your faith in him, because you are yoked to Christ, he sees his son, and he is glad. 
Friends, this is the only way that we can find rest in our lives. This is the only way we can find peace. It's through the gentleness of Christ. When we're yoked to Christ, when we connect ourselves to Jesus, when we take in the good news, when we're filled with the Spirit, when the gospel is being applied in a deep and personal way, this then would make us into a gentle people. When we embrace the gentleness of Jesus, we, we find soulful rest and we're not demanding of others. We're not requiring others to meet a certain standard in order for them to be accepted, in order for them to be loved. We can stop chasing the love of those who are loved. We can stop chasing the respect of those who are respected. We can stop yearning and desiring and chasing after acceptance from those who are accepted. We can be true to ourselves in a sense. We can be humble, be honest and transparent about our brokenness and our sinfulness, but not only be transparent, be hopeful that it's going to change. Because through Jesus' gentleness, he accepts you for who you are, but he doesn't leave you where you're at. When we're yoked to Jesus, when we find soulful rest in our Savior, this doesn't mean that we're not going to work. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, the Apostle Paul says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and, it, it, and this is not from yourselves. It's a gift. It's God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Friends, if we're yoked to Christ, we will labor for Christ. We will continue to build his church. And yet, even when things aren't going the way that we'd hope, to, hope it for, we can still find a peace and a contentment that's greater than your circumstance. Will we continue to be a community, to be not self-involved people, but more selfless people? more sacrificial people, people who can think for one another and seek the advancement for one another, even at our own cost. Let's pray.